Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining today's podcast, which is a continuation of our podcast series on topics ranging from accelerating electronic provider payment adoption to developing a modern medical network. I'm Philip Cardona, and I'll be your host for today's discussion. Today, our topic will focus on how health plans can increase electronic provider payments by offering up to six unique payment modalities ranging from ACH to e-check. Our guest for today's discussion is Bill Barbado, VP and General Manager for our B2B payment solutions here at Change Healthcare. Bill, before we get started, can you please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role here at Change Healthcare? Yeah, thank you, Philip, for the introduction. I joined the team about five years ago through an acquisition. My experience in healthcare spans about 20 years, and it's pretty exclusively focused in the financial services components of healthcare. So it's the payments, the remittances uh, between payers and providers and consumers and providers. And it's really my small way of making healthcare more affordable. And it might sound sacrilegious um, since we have a large scale or multiple large scale print facilities is that you know, we're removing the, the administrative waste associated with print and postage expense from checks and finding alternative ways to digitize those payments. Um, my team is a team of experts focused on payments, uh, focused on remittances, as well as the front end sales process and the back end implementation process. And they all share my passion for removing these administrative burdens from both payers and providers and providing a more simplified, secure um, process by which we can deliver both the payments and remittances to the, from the payers to the providers. You know, thanks for that, Bill, and I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, part of what you just described and, you know, leading into the first question is it, it feels like every industry outside of healthcare, including consumer payments with offerings such as Venmo, you know, really woven into the fabric of how we make payments, receive payments. Yet in healthcare, as you mentioned, we're still sending paper checks on a regular basis. I mean, at a macro level, why do you think that is? Philip, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be on this podcast today. <laughs> I would be retired. I would be in the mountains somewhere in Idaho. Um, I, I think, you know, if I go back to when I first started working in financial services slash healthcare, it was at United Health Group within their financial services business. They were actually bold enough to actually buy a bank and they took the whole digitization of payments and remittances to a whole new level. They built out um, still this day, one of the largest ACH networks focused on healthcare. And because of United Health Group's footprint, um, they were able to do things that simply no other payer could do. We were able to get providers enrolled in ACH and the 835 at a time when it was really the exception to the rule. Um, the vast majority of payments were still paper-based. If you look at kind of why healthcare is different than every other segment of your, the economy, I really don't know. Um, you know, part of it's the complexity of the transactions. Um, you know, everything from the lack of price transparency um, to how the claims, you know, the 837s get submitted from the providers to the payers, how the adjudication process works. And then on the back end, where my team works is on the post adjudicated side, um, all the different players that are included in that continuum to enable a payment and a remittance to be delivered to the provider. You know, you have lockboxes, you have organizations like Change Healthcare, you have banks, 
you have payers themselves, you have single payer solutions, you have multi-payer solutions. It, it's really, by its nature, it's inefficient because all the different organizations that are comprised in that continuum that are necessary ultimately to get the provider reimbursed for the services were rendered to the payers members. It shouldn't be that hard, but unfortunately it is. We experience it on a daily basis, or at least your team does. So let's then take a step back a little bit and talk a little bit about the type of payment modalities typically are traditionally sure. available to the provider, which ones are most common, which ones are less common, but maybe seem to be creating more acceleration, if you will, here um, in the 21st century. So going back, I don't know, 20 years, you know, it was predominantly ACH. Um, about 10 years ago, um, we started seeing new payment modalities. We started seeing people use the acronym VCC, virtual credit card. And really what that is, is every time that you make a purchase on Amazon, um, if you were buying stuff on the prime days, you were taking advantage of, in essence, a card not present transaction, which is, in, is more or less a virtual credit card. So what we're doing is we're sending out the card elements, the 16 digit card number, the security code, the zip code, to allow the payer to reimburse the provider. We're just using a different rail system. We're using the Visa MasterCard rail system versus uh, the Federal Reserve or the clearinghouse that an ACH uh, transacts through. The value of the virtual card as a relatively new modality is the remittance advice is still a piece of paper. Uh, or an image of the remittance that would have otherwise accompanied the check. So for a provider who doesn't have the sophistication to post from an 835 that typically accompanies an 835, excuse me, an ACH, they can post from the remittance advice that they're used to, but just get the virtual card um, instead of a paper check. The virtual card certainly has values. We have the ability through our partners to deliver that via fax. Um, so the virtual card in theory could, you, you could have funds in the provider's account sooner than you would at ACH. So there's the time value of money certainly helps from the provider's perspective, but the provider still needs to do something with the virtual card. And one of the things that we've seen with COVID is that anything that requires the provider to have to physically be in the office and do something in the office, uh, we've seen a, a trend away from that. Um, we, we've seen providers wanting to allow their back office staff to work remotely whenever possible, but also still get the cash funds into their accounts so that payroll can be made, lease payments can be made, and the operation itself continue. Most recently, we've seen a new payment modality come, and it's, we call it an e-check or a digital check. And to our knowledge, we're one of the few organizations in healthcare that are using this. And so think of in essence, an image, like a PDF image of the check that we would deliver to the provider, again, along with the remittance advice that they're accompanying um, the paper check today, they simply print off the piece of paper, the PDF themselves, and deposit the, the printout image of the check, just like they would a normal check. So you think, well, that seems kind of silly. Well, it's kind of ingenious from the standpoint, mm -hmm. first of all, we're getting rid of the postage. Um, you cut out three to five days of mail time that you know a traditional check gets mailed. The provider can post um, print that check themselves at home if need be. They don't have to be in the office and they can drop that to their bank lockbox or deposit that check however they um, deposit checks today. Um, but the, so they get the time value of money. They get the elimination of 
the USPS mail time. The payer saves by eliminating the postage and you know, presumably fewer checks lost in the mail, you know, fewer checks stolen potentially. And while it's relatively new, we are seeing increased adoption of this modality, but there's still a little bit of suspicion around it. Like, is this legitimate? Will my bank accept a, a printout of an image that I receive from Change Healthcare? Um, and, and it's not surprising. That's the same type of uh, inquiry uh, slash questions that we got when we started issuing virtual cards back in 2008, 2009. Um, and so I think, you know, give us another year uh, when we have the opportunity to come back together and do a, um, another discussion a year from now, e-checks will be, you know, right there on the kind of the same level playing field that ACH and virtual cards are today. And we'll take one more uh, whack at paper checks and we'll continue to eliminate those. And the reality is, uh, Philip, you probably get a dozen checks a year, um, maybe from an aunt that sends you a birthday <laughs> check for fifteen dollars, and you know have you know you probably have a pile of those checks, um, maybe uh, a rebate check. Um, so the reality is, paper checks aren't going away. Um, yeah, the, the the paper checks I get, I usually use it as bookmarks. Okay, um, well, <laughs> teach your kids how to deposit the checks with your mobile app, and you know they'll be well on their way. Well, and you bring, uh, unfortunately, you bring up a good point as it relates to COVID, right? I mean, yeah. it's just the, un, you know, the new normal, if you want to call it that, around is driving telehealth adoption through the roof, and you can read any headline, and that's a big part of it, and allowing there to be distance is now, again, a new normal. So the ability for a provider to then maintain that and not, you know, really be forced to handle or deal paper is... The significant yeah. issue, I mean, do you see your customer base? Is that really now a, a driver that you're seeing move the market a little bit or move the needle, so to speak, within the customer base that you mm -hmm. uh, engage with on a daily basis? So do you remember when we st first started talking about COVID, there was you know this degree of hysteria. Um, mm -hmm. Could COVID, the virus itself, be transmitted on a piece of paper? Mm -hmm. um, I still see my um, the Amazon guy and the... Um, the lady who delivers our USPS mail, they wear rubber gloves. Um, so there's still that, you know, unknown about could the virus, you know, even for a short period of time be transmitted on a piece of paper. I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to you know, claim to know one way or another. But the reality is anytime that we have to put a piece of paper in the mail, it costs someone, you know, ultimately you or I, you know, who are the insured, who are paying the monthly premiums, it costs us mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. um, someone's got to pay for that and you know we're we're on the hook for it so again in my small little way you know my team and I are looking for ways to uh, remove the necessity of putting a piece of paper in the mail and so your question about have we seen a change we absolutely have um, I looked at the numbers overall for our total book of business so this is worker comp payers medical payers and dental payers we saw about a four and a, almost five percent increase in ACH utilization from you know earlier you know, kind of first quarter um, through the end of um, last quarter, um, so September month then. Um, so not super uh, surprising, but what was more surprising was the distribution of the virtual cards. So today we have a mix between um, the USPS um, and fax. It's completely an opt-in model. It's based on what the provider wants, and we allow them to pick the mod, you know the modality of delivery that best suits them. Roughly, it was a 50-50 split um, prior to COVID. 
um, it's now jumped to about 75% fax versus 25% mail. And the only thing I can attribute that to is, again, kind of the idea that providers want their money. They want the money delivered as quickly as possible, as safely as possible, and they want you know, the time value of money. They want it as quickly as possible. And you know, to see that uh, roughly 25% increase in facts as a result of COVID, it's one, yeah, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's the result of COVID and providers wanting the payments delivered to them, to the employees posting those payments without physically having to be in the office to receive the mail and open up the mail. Yeah, no, and I mean, that's a very human example around just the digitization, not only in payments, but taking it into a real world kind of practice. And so you talk about the different modalities. There's the paper, there's an electronic. You talk, can you talk a little bit more? You mentioned e-check and that being specific or unique to change healthcare. Can you walk us through a little bit of what that, how that developed, where that came from? Was it based on maybe customer feedback or what you're hearing in the marketplace? um product development just a little bit curious to kind of expand a little bit on that because based on what it was described i mean that that seems like a market or a, a modality that really would fit the needs of the provider base well the e-check capability itself is through um a series of partnerships but the the primary partner um, that's enabling the solution is deluxe corporation and for any cfo treasurer who's been in the business you know, any more than 10, 15 years knows who Deluxe Corporation is. They're one of the largest um, check issuers. They um, also have, I think, one of the largest check clearing houses in the United States. And so this, this is technology that they've introduced to particularly small businesses to allow them to reduce their AP costs and to give them increased flexibility when it comes to distributing, you know, different types of payments to a, a, an array of payees. Um, of course, healthcare lagged. Um, we're, you know, taking advantage of technology that's well proven by, you know, a, a marvelous corporation, um, you know, a corporation, again, you know, Deluxe that has a great reputation in the, this space and is looking to innovate and looking to expand and diversify their payment capabilities. Um, you know, unlike following the mo model of Kodak, you know, they're moving beyond the idea that a payment has to be in paper form. Um, it can be delivered digitally and they can still make um, and still remain a profitable um, organization. Um, we see other organizations in the FinTech uh, space experimenting with the same technology. You know, it would be nice at some point that healthcare takes the lead and you know, drives some of this innovation within our segment of the economy and then others copy us. But for the time being, we're happy to copy other segments and take advantage of this. But the introduction of eChecks couldn't have come at a better time. Um, you know, we introduced it oh, probably almost 12 months ago, well in advance of the pandemic, and allowed providers to start getting comfortable with not only the flexibility that eChecks offers to them, but helping them understand that, you know, handling a piece of paper, requiring a piece of paper to be put in the mail doesn't serve anybody well. And for those providers who still don't feel comfortable with ACH, because there's that perception versus reality issue. When, right. when you give out your banking information, the, the concept of, well, you can debit my account, but you can also, excuse me, you can also, you can credit my account, but you can also debit the account. So I can put money into your account, but then I can also take money out of your account. 
And unfortunately, that perception versus reality issue still exists today based on some kind of bad behaviors that were that we saw, you know, 10, 15 years ago that you know, certainly don't exist anymore. But, you know, doctors still remember. And, you know, we all have to be cautious. Um, data security, um, payment security, all that information is exposed and available um, to fraudsters, to you know, people doing illegal activities on the dark web. And, you know, you certainly don't want to release your you know, banking information to a, a, a wide range of organizations that don't have the necessary security protocols to protect that information. And particularly single payer enrollments, um, you know, providers, you know, rightly so have some concerns about sharing that information with, you know, one, you know, two um, payers in particular versus with a change healthcare organization in you know, my business, for example, where we do this on behalf of 200 plus payers. And so, you know, if nothing else, the reputational risk um, of a breach is so catastrophic that it's just not something that's plausible. You know, we think about this every day. You know, we have a team of people who are constantly looking at payment security and how do we protect not only our payers' um, payment information, but also our provider information. And, you know, for us, it's just, you know, we don't even think twice about it. It's just part of our repertoire. Everything that we do from a product development perspective, from an ongoing business perspective and an operations perspective wraps around, and at the epicenter of all that is payment security. Yeah, no, well, I mean, security in general, um, you know, it can, it can make or break organizations where you say you don't want to be on the, the cover of Wall Street Journal, right, for, for all That's the right. wrong reasons. Uh, the partnerships piece is always interesting. I mean, it's it's a build, build versus buy sometimes business decision. It's great to hear cool. when you when you find the best in class partners, let's let's partner. Could you talk a little bit, shifting gears a little bit about, you know, if we look at a single provider, you know, is it is it reasonable to think that providers potentially, you know, I know it's an end of one getting paid in various ways by all mm -hmm. their different contracts. So, you know, they're getting yeah. paper checks from one plan and a virtual card from another and maybe sure. an e-check from us. I mean, is that, would you say that's more the, the standard than the exception? Boy, you put me on the spot. Um, let me, let me try to simply answer the question and I'm going to do this broadly across all segments, you know, so medical, dental, workers comp. Sure. Um, I think the 80, 20 rule typically applies. Okay. And so, you know, on average for a medical provider, they do business with say a hundred different payers in a given year. So they, they receive at least one payment from a hundred different payers in a given year. So if you look at the 80-20 rule, you know, 80% of their receivables are gonna come from 20% of their payers. So keep the math simple. So 20 payers are gonna account for 80% of their receivable collections. For those 20 payers, I would suspect they're going to roll for ACH. That would just be my hypothesis. But for the remaining 80 payers that only account for 20% of their receivables, I think you're going to see a mix. You're going to see a mix of virtual cards, e-checks, um, and paper checks. And it could be on a payer-by-payer -payer level, which we do support uh, within our technology. Um, but from a workflow perspective, I think the providers will likely, you know, steer towards one or two modalities that look and feel the same. And that's one of the values of the virtual card solution, the e-check and the paper check is that they all share a common remittance. So from the mm -hmm. provider's perspective, you know, the payment modality itself doesn't really matter anymore. Um, it's really the remittance. And so 
Um, I think it really comes down to time to cash, particularly in light of what's going on right now. They want to get paid as quickly as possible. And if there's any degree of risk that the virus could be transmitted on a piece of paper that's going through the Change Healthcare print facility, that's going through the USPS and ultimately being delivered to the provider, I think you know a reasonable person would say, let's just get rid of that. Let's right. deal with, you know, if we have to print it, let's use an e-check and print it on our own paper. If we want a virtual card delivered by a fax, let's have that digitally delivered to a desktop and allow you know, the back office staff to post from an image on a screen. And so I think you know, that helps me feel a little bit more confident you know, as my explanation of you know, why we saw such a significant increase in the virtual card utilization going from 50-50 to 75-25. That's the only thing I can point to is that right. you know, providers wanted that safety, that security. Um, they wanted the digital delivery. And you know, a year from now, we might learn the truth about if the virus can be transmitted through a piece of paper or not, but why wait? Why not right. just take care of it now? Last question for you then is based on a little bit of the the, the response to the to the question I just I posed to you, and I appreciate okay. that. Is do you envision a future in which paper checks, maybe not, maybe they'll always be around. I think we'll never get to zero, but are potentially less than a low single digit of payment distribution as a potential modality. Do you feel like that's we're in reach of that, or is that something that is still far away? I, I think I don't think that's far away at all. Um, I think we have clients today on our settlement advocate solution, which is one of our flagship capabilities. It's a holistic solution, so it comprises seven different payment modalities, really to give the provider the ultimate degree of choice, and we call that provider of choice. Uh, we have payers that have EFT adoption rates upwards of 95%. So we already have payers that are seeing single digit utilization of checks, and that's based on both transactions as well as the spend of the payment. So depending on how you wanna do the math, um, either way it's single digits. Will it ever get less than 5%? Absolutely. Um, but will it go to zero? No, I don't think so. Um, again, you know, we still have aunts and uncles who like to send us birthday checks for you know, $15. You know, checks are never gonna go away. Um, just like virtual cards are never going away. When I first saw virtual cards come on the scene and again, 2012, 2013, I thought we'd see kind of like a three-year life and then it would quickly disappear and with ACH taking that um, transaction volume over. And, you know, eight years later, it's still very much alive and well. Um, so for checks, um, there's always going to be a provider that doesn't trust, change healthcare, doesn't trust a payer with um, their banking information. Um, they might not even have a merchant terminal to process a virtual card transaction. Um, they might be doing their receivables on a piece of paper um, and might or might not have internet service. And so I think we just have to account for the wide spectrum mm -hmm. of providers, you know, both professional and institutional. And you know, part of our view of the healthcare revenue cycle management does contemplate that wide spectrum from the most sophisticated providers all the way down to, again, the single doc office who's doing the receivables on a, a yellow notebook. And you know, the beauty of our solution is that we take them all into consideration and have models, both from a payment perspective and a remittance perspective that support them. And so maybe it's a generational thing, Philip, that at some point um, these doctors um, retire, um, you, know, you and I <laughs> and our peers come into play 
um, who love technology, who love the convenience of depositing yeah. checks with an app, and then start questioning, like, why am I doing this? Why not just have the money directly deposited in my account? And Fair. so I think um, time will tell, but I think within your and my career horizon, we will see checks, you know, one, two percent with ACH virtual cards, e-check all um, comprising, you know, 99 percent of the payment transactions going through Change Healthcare and, you know, in the industry overall. So I said last question, but based on your response, I got I, I sure. have to have a follow up. What what changed when you, you alluded to when virtual card came out? You, you almost made it sound like you thought it might be a little bit of a fad, right? Three or four years sure. and then go away. What, what changed? Why? I mean, because it's the, the adoption rate is picking up, you know, year over year of virtual cards. So why do you think what, what changed in that it's that didn't happen? Maybe your hypothesis, if you will. So Philip, you asked me some questions early on, and if I knew the answers to those questions, I wouldn't be on this <laughs> podcast today. I'd be retired. Um, if I, you know, simply put, I was wrong. Um, okay. A lot of people shared the same belief that I did, that virtual cards were a fad. And um, they started off in the medical TPA space. Uh, medical TPAs have no affinity allegiance to their providers. They lease the networks and are all about the money. Um, they wanted the revenue share that's associated with the virtual cards, and they saw this as a money-making opportunity, unfortunately, not a way to drive administrative savings, not a way to drive digitization. Um, but I'll, I will say that virtual cards have been probably one of the best ACH adoption tools that I've seen in my career. Um, you know, simply put, the go green messages, the inserts, the calls, the emails to providers to adopt ACH don't work. Um, but what, the way that we deploy virtual cards as an organization is a great way to drive providers to, um, you know, drive them to a conversation, um, allows us to have that conversation to enable ACH as an alternative to virtual cards if they choose to opt out. Um, but why, why is it still around? I think it you know, goes back to provider choice. Um, we want to have that full spectrum of providers to be able to receive a payment and a remittance in the format, in the um, kind of fits into their workflow that they have today and not ask them to do anything different than what they're doing today. And so one of the beauties of a virtual card is that it doesn't require enrollment. They don't need to provide banking information. And from a posting perspective, the image that they're posting from, from a remittance perspective is identical to what they would be posting from, from a paper check. And so if you look at kind of the benefits, you know, you kind of check the boxes and you can see why a provider would be willing to process payments this way. And, you know, that takes into account, too, that providers have to handle consumer payments as well, unless they outsource it to a billing company. So they're already set up to process credit card transactions. What we do see, though, is a desire from providers or a higher likelihood of opting out of the program once their payments hit you know, 7,500 to $10,000, that's kind of the tipping point. You know, much beyond that, um, that dollar range, providers will not accept them by a virtual card. So if they're getting those high ticket um, transactions, they're likely to move towards ACH at that point. But, you know, if you look at two, $300 transactions that look and feel a lot like a consumer um, payment uh, based on their liability to the provider, you know, this is just one more transaction. They already understand the, the business costs. Um, how to process those payments, and it fits nicely into their existing workflow. And so I think that's probably why you know, virtual cards remain today. 
Um, that's why I don't see that. You know, if I look across our total business, if you take out all the noise, you know, new business, lost business, um, our virtual card volume is very stable. Um, it's not going up radically, but it's not declining either. And we have a very stable base of providers who like the benefits of virtual credit cards. They particularly like the benefits of it being faxed to them. And they like the benefit that they don't have to do anything above and beyond what they've already done to receive them. And you know, as long as those um, criteria you know, continue to be met, I think virtual cards have a long life ahead of them. Yeah, well, and, and you get to the point, you know, and here closing is provider choice, right? The ability for the provider to select, self-select really, that Correct. payment modality and that option, uh, you know, him or her, whatever works best for their business, their practice, how they want to be reimbursed based on the dynamics within their own market. And that's, that's really right. what it comes down to is choice. So, you know, VCC, e-check, paper check, even ACH, just all those combined to say what what works best for you and you tell us and then that's that's the distribution that we'll Correct. take forward right well bill i must say thank you for your time i appreciate you, hopefully hopefully the questions were in line with hopefully what you would have expected but um you know i'm sure our listeners here will enjoy the conversation i will say that uh for our listeners don't forget to check the show notes for links to resources and contact information related to today's show and stay tuned for Change Healthcare Podcast for more shows covering other topics here in our series. And for more information related to Change Healthcare, please find us at changehealthcare.com. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.